From WUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Taylor Burnett. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from Southeast Ohio. This week on The Outlet, Dylan Tyson takes us through some of the challenges about getting broadband internet access to Southeast Ohio and how these struggles played out during the pandemic. We don't have the telecommunications infrastructure in place. We don't have the transportation infrastructure in place. And these aren't things that that are easily fixed. And Bam and Bro's Barbershop is open for business on Court Street. And Andre Norris looks beyond the barber's chair to the man cutting hair and the story of how he found his passion. I probably wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for, like, my son that day cutting his hair. These stories and more, right here on The Outlet. This summer, WUB reporter Dylan Tyson covered the education beat in Athens County. And this week returned to a topic that has presented challenges since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, broadband internet access in Southeast Ohio. Well, as the academic semester comes to a close, I've been digging back through some old interviews and stories as I plan for another overwhelming finals week. And I came across a conversation that's lingered in the back of my mind ever since it happened. Over the summer, I paid a visit to the Federal Hawking Local School District to sit down with Superintendent David Hanning. We had planned to talk about some statewide education reforms at the time, but instead, he opened my eyes to an issue that's still affecting low-income areas like Athens County. We live in rural southeast Ohio, and a lot of our people don't have internet. It's an unfortunate reality for much of Appalachia, but it's a widely understood reality, and it has been for a while. So why bring it up now? One of the things that this pandemic has pointed out is, you know, when, when many of us started our school year remote, we, we found out that some of our people don't have internet because they can't afford the internet. Some of our people don't have the internet because it isn't available where they live. Uh, what do you mean? I mean, it's 2021. How could that still be the case? Now I can take you to pockets throughout our district, 207 square miles, where there's no cell phone service there. So those things just don't work. Okay, so how are school districts tackling this issue? I mean, Federal Hawking is not the only low-income district in the state. With all the COVID relief funding available, isn't there some sort of internet grant to apply for? Hanning says there was, and he did. I actually applied for the, for the broadband grant, uh, and they were offering schools up to $150,000 to expand internet access. And Federal Hawking received a ridiculous amount of money to do that. And, and what I found out was we couldn't spend it because we didn't have anything to spend it on. We could buy a hotspot for every student in the district, and it wasn't going to increase the access. We were partnering with Spectrum and with other internet service providers, and we were going to pay for the internet, but they didn't provide the service where our students live. Now, keep in mind this interview was conducted in June, a little over five months ago. But still, we've been more than a year into the pandemic at this point, and I had not heard anything like this. You know, no matter how much money was going into the hands of these rural school districts, there's just nothing they could do with it because nobody would lay the broadband cables for the high-speed internet access. Obviously, this stuck with me. So recently, I did a little bit of a deep dive into some census data. In the early stages of the pandemic, the U.S. Census Bureau conducted household pulse surveys, which they say are, quote, designed to quickly and efficiently deploy data collected on how people's lives have been affected by the coronavirus pandemic. So, out of all Ohio households, only 89.9% reported that they have reliable internet access. That's compared to 90.5 nationwide. But here in Athens County, 
the median household income is about $40,000. So what about the Ohio households at that income level? 21.9% report that their internet access is unreliable. That's a little over one in every five households without reliable internet, and that's at the county median income level. And between the first and last household pulse survey, that number has changed by only fractions of a percentage point. So what's to be done about this? Surely if there were an easy solution to provide technology access to all students, then it already would have been resolved. However, Superintendent Hanning made one thing clear. It's a problem far out of the reach of his school district and other rural communities. We don't have the telecommunications infrastructure in place. We don't have the transportation infrastructure in place. And these aren't things that, that are easily fixed. And they're, they're certainly not things that school districts can fix. WUB reporter Olivia Roman took a look at the life of JNCO Award winner Roxanne Groff. Awards are given by the Foundation for Appalachian Ohio to provide awards to citizens of Appalachian Ohio who demonstrate visionary leadership and service to the region. For more than 40 years, Roxanne Groff has fought to protect the environment. From opposing fracking projects in the Wayne National Forest to testifying against making oil and gas waste a commodity before the Ohio House Committee, Groff and her fellow activists do what they can to raise the public's awareness about the environmental issues in the region. One year we just decided we would go to the Wayne National Forest, dress up as elves, sing fracking Christmas carols. We took lumps of coal wrapped up in paper. Environmental activism wasn't initially in the cards for Groff. She graduated from Ohio University in 1972 with the Master's in Audiology. From there, she worked with the Ohio Health Department, lived in Mexico for four months, had a streetcar in Athens, and owned a restaurant named Casa Que Pasa. In 1973, after returning from Mexico, she bought a piece of land in Athens and started to build a house. I wanted to be an audiologist. I wanted to be in a big city. You know, I wanted to use my degree and, you know, do things. Then I got into doing environmental activism by fighting a strip mine that was going to be in our uh, neighborhood. As part of her efforts to fight the strip mine, Groff co-founded her first activist group called Save Our Rural Environment. She then started to wonder if being on the inside of operations as a public official would be more beneficial to her cause. I ran for township trustee. I won. That was in 1979. Then in 1982, I ran for county commissioner won that election. Groff says her decades of activism is driven by passion, not ego. In Athens, I'm Olivia Roman for Newswatch. And this week on Weekly Weather, Erin Ashley comes in to talk about the question we have all been wondering. It's December 2nd. Why haven't we seen any snow yet, Erin? Well, there's a lot more that needs to be present in order for snow to happen, let alone to stick to the ground and build up. The reason why it has yet to snow and accumulate is because there's way too much heat present in the atmosphere, and so temperatures aren't consistently below freezing enough. So the ground wouldn't even be cold enough to allow snow to stick and start building up into the inches of snow we all love. So even if it was snowing, the ground is likely too warm for it to stick? Unfortunately, yes. Something to look out for, though, is when that snow melts and then refreezes as ice because temperatures are low enough. That will prove to be a hazard on the road and on the sidewalk. Definitely. 
Well, not to be too excited, but is there any chance of a white Christmas this year? Well, Taylor, there is always a chance in the weather. And I'll be the first person to admit that the weather is so unpredictable, and yet it's my job to try and predict it. It's a little far out to be thinking of a white Christmas, but one can certainly hope. Oh, so you're a huge fan of the snow? Oh, I absolutely love the snow. Everything just looks so beautiful outside, and not to mention building snowmen and throwing snowballs and all that jazz. And I know our region tends to get a healthy amount of snow, but eventually I want to experience a Northeast Ohio snow. I've heard there's truly nothing like it. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm also a little sad that we haven't seen any big snowfalls, but how are you feeling about it? Well, I'm pretty sad about it too, and I'm not going to lie. I'm not a huge fan of the summer and the heat, and so seeing that the end of this week is actually supposed to be warmer than normal makes me really sad. This just means that the chance for snow isn't very high in the near future. All the precipitation that we will see in the near future will definitely come in the form of rain. Erin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Taylor. Always give more than you get. From a high schooler in Jackson, that quote spoke volumes and inspired him to look for ways to help those around him. As the holiday season rolls around, Will Price has more on what Tackles for Tots is doing in year three. As a member of the Jackson High School football team, Grant Mastin had always felt the support of his community on fall Friday nights. So in 2019, when Mastin was offered an opportunity to help give back to hundreds of kids throughout Jackson, he didn't hesitate. I was approached by one of my mentors, Jason Gillum, about uh, helping out with Jaffe and creating this organization for their um, Joyful Christmas to purchase the shoes, and I immediately said yes. Jaffe stands for Jackson Area Festivals and Events, a local organization he worked with to help create tackles for tots. Their goal was simple. For every tackle Mastin made in a game that season, they would donate a pair of shoes to children at elementary and middle schools around Jackson County. And in 2019, that meant over 100 pairs of shoes. To help raise the money, they decided to do a raffle. The thought process behind having the raffle was that people would have chances to be involved in this project. And, you know, obviously we would have a winner of the raffle, but um, it was just really a way to get people in the community engaged and, you know, just to help create or help for a greater cause. This year, the raffle costs $25 to enter, with 100 total spots being allocated. That's double the amount of spots that were available in the first raffle in 2019. Why? Because Mastin decided to up the ante. Due to the pandemic last year, Jackson had a shortened season. So Mastin decided to donate two pairs of shoes for every tackle. Despite going back to a full 10-game schedule in 2021, he's still doubling up on his original goal. I decided that since it was my senior year and, you know, we had a great season, I thought, well, let's just do two, let's just do two pairs again. So that's what we did. So that means they purchased over 200 pairs of shoes to donate. This year, Tackles for Tots partnered with the Under Armour store at the Cincinnati Premium Outlets to purchase the shoes. And as we head into December, there's plenty of work to be done. Right now, Mastin has a room filled with shoes. The walls are lined with them, with some stacks going as high as his six-foot frame. For now, Mastin is putting labels on the shoes so they know which school each pair has to go to. It's a lengthy process, but he doesn't mind it. 
it's definitely a lot different than I think it seems to the public what goes on behind the scenes. Um, there's a lot of organization, fundraising, making sure everything, every pair of shoes goes to the right person and everything's just in line. So there's a lot to it, but it's something I really enjoy. He says the biggest takeaway the past three years is how even little things can make a big difference. Through this, I just want to encourage everyone to, you know, do the little things. You know, it might not matter to you, but it can make a world of difference to someone else. Mastin says it comes back to something written in their locker room in big red letters. Win for Jackson. That's something that really holds a lot of weight in my heart and something that um, I really I genuinely care about and something I try to do, whether it be riding on my wrist before games or, you know, with this project here, I'm always looking for ways to win for Jackson and just to support this community as much as I can because, you know, wherever, whatever situation you may be, there's always someone willing to help you. And if I'm the, I've been on the receiving end of that, but I also want to be the one that is helping others too. So any way to um, better, like continue bettering the community and being a positive light in an already wonderful, wonderful town is definitely something that's important to me. Reporting for the outlet, I'm Will Price in Jackson. More information on Tackles for Tots can be found on their Facebook page. Bam & Rose Barbershop recently opened their new location on Court Street. However, the business brings more to the community than just haircuts. WUB reporter Andre Norrells has more on the impact the business has had. For 35-year-old Razor West, cutting hair was never a lifelong dream. After graduating high school till the age of 28, before I started cutting hair, like it was rough. Like how I didn't really see a future in it. After working in construction, car sales, and in call centers, one may say he didn't find barbering. Barbering found him. Through a little time of depression, like um, it was my son, to be honest, my oldest, Bam. It all started about eight years ago when Wes couldn't afford a barber to cut Bam's hair. I just used the clippers that I did with my beard and gave him a haircut, and it was horrible, but it was like his reaction after. A year later, Wes got into barber school, and a few years after that, West moved from Akron, Ohio to Athens, Ohio. Akron is a big city compared to Athens, but Athens drew West in. <laughs> Being in a place like this to where everyone actually is friendly, like you don't have to look over your shoulder, you don't, everybody isn't out to get you. West says he doesn't want to be pigeonholed into being the black barbershop, that he and his staff will cut the hair of anyone that walks through the door. But at the same time, he is also focused on mentoring the next generation. What's going on with you though, man? We really talk a lot of, to our younger clients, especially the, the young black men, about their opportunities like and the different things that they can do. It's the young men in his life, his three sons that inspired the name of his barbershop, Bam and Bros Barbershop, named after Bam, the kid that started it all, and his other two brothers. He has two little brothers, Royce and Miles, and they're just like his little tag-alongs. The impact Bam had on West is the reason why West is able to impact his clients. I probably wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for like my son that day cutting his hair and just his actions after. Like I wouldn't have, I don't think I'd still be around. For West, life is more than having the big house or the nice car. It's about family. I have those three little guys and like the way they look at me, the way they look up to me, the way they talk to me, all those things, it just motivates me every day.
You can find examples of West's work or book an appointment on his Instagram at RazorWestLLC. That's all we have this week. Thanks for joining us. The Outlet is produced each week by me, Taylor Burnett. We're edited by Atish Baidia, Aaron Payne, and David Forster. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gavos. Subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts. You can find us online at woub.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Outlet underscore WUB and Instagram at WUB underscore Outlet. We'll be back February 3rd, 2022 with more stories from the Southeast Ohio region.